You're listening to the Bride Chilla Podcast, helping bride chillas and groom chillas plan their wedding minus the bullshit. One podcast at a time with your host, Alicia McCormack. That is me. And wherever you are listening, I say a big fat welcome to the Bride Chiller Podcast. This is episode 401, a Q&A special, every episode special. I am Alicia, the host and founder of Bride Chiller, and I'm delighted to be answering your wedding planning questions or just questions in the periphery. Is it the periphery? Peripheral. Fuck, who cares? The general area of wedding planning I do emotional questions, I do logistical questions, I just do life questions. I like just giving my opinion. But remember, if you don't agree with me, that's okay. We're all human. Allegedly, if you were listening in the week that this episode came out, this is the week after Black Friday in 2019, the day that this comes out, I'll currently be on an aeroplane flying from London to Australia. Shit, that's a long, long way. My husband, Rich, and I have had a fairly intense couple of, well, months, really, packing up our lives in London, heading back to Australia for the summer, the Southern Hemisphere summer, which confuses Northern Hemisphere friends because it's summer during Christmas. That's normal for Southern Hemisphere people. But I've talked to a couple of people in London who are like, I don't get it. What, is no snow? I'm like, no fucking hell, there's no snow because it's 40 fucking degrees. It's the middle of summer. What don't you understand? Some people are idiots, but that's okay. Wow, where did that come from? I've got a lot of pent-up stuff. Moving countries for the second time has really, again, reminded me about stuff, about how much stuff we collect and how much stuff is unnecessary in our lives. And this is just my personal observation. But a few weeks ago, I did an episode about planning a sustainable slash environmentally friendly zero waste, just better for the environment wedding. And looking at the stuff that Rich and I have collected over the years, and then also what we're donating and selling, gosh, I've been enjoying the Facebook marketplace, meeting some weirdos, but it's really worked out well for us, that, you know, every time we pack our lives up, it makes you reevaluate what you need. And it made me think a little bit more about the stuff that we purchase for weddings and then also what you do with it afterwards. And there is always a market. Someone always wants stuff. I joked on Instagram, we had a mattress topper, like a cheapo, I paid 30 pounds for it, so like 50 bucks for uh, a latex mattress topper that we used to put on our couch, on our sofa, when my dad was staying. We gave him our bed because we're good people. And then Rich and I slept on our, our sofa, but the, the, the couch was, wasn't that comfortable. So we bought this topper, we used it for a week, and then I rolled it back up and I popped it in the original packaging. And I joked on Instagram, I'm like, who the fuck's going to buy this used mattress topper? And it wasn't used like dirty, filthy, urine used. It was just used though. And I put it up for 10 pounds. And then within, I shit you not, within six seconds of me posting it, I had about four Facebook message responses saying, I'll buy it, I'll buy it, I'll come and get it now. And I had to joke on Instagram, like people have bought it. And I hadn't even had sex on it. I didn't have sex on it. We didn't have sex on it. So it just made me reevaluate what you can sell. And if you have the energy to relist things, to pop them on your local marketplace, join wedding wedding groups. We've got a bride chiller buy and sell group. You really can find great deals, but also you can get rid of stuff without just throwing it in the bin. And if Facebook's not your thing, I totally get it. I mean, I've got very heavy feelings about Facebook. We've got an amazing Facebook group and I love it, but I'm also slightly concerned about Facebook as a company. 
And that's probably for another time. It's probably another podcast that's not this podcast. But there are lots of other buy and sell groups you can find. Gumtree, FreeCycle. Um, oh, fuck. I don't want to label. You, you can just Google it. We're all capable people. But it just made me want to reiterate the benefits of being able to sell stuff rather than throw it away, but also find these great deals. And, you know, maybe buying a used mattress topper isn't your thing, but you might find a really great range of decor or something quite specific. Someone's always selling something. Thank you for listening to my talk. There's my first weird whispering for the episode. Let's go to our first voice message. Hi, Alicia. Thank you so much for your podcast. It has been such a huge help. Um, in the process of planning my wedding because I decided not to hire a wedding planner and to do this all myself, a decision that I'm now regretting a little. Um, My wedding is in three months. My fiance and I just got engaged one month ago. So it's a four month engagement, really short. I'm now thinking that I might have bit off a little more than I can chew. We ordered our wedding invitations last week and they came in the mail this weekend We were so excited for them. It's kind of the first big thing that we've done together besides book our venue. Um, And so when I opened up the box, I was heartbroken to see that we had written the wrong venue addresses on all of the invitations, which I'm going to throw my sweet fiance under the bus because this was his job. He had one job and it was to just write down the, the address for the wedding menu and he wrote the wrong one, which is okay because I still love him and I still love him. I'm telling myself, I'm convincing myself of that. No, I'm just kidding. I really do. Anyways, we had to put all of those wedding invitations in the trash along with the hundreds of dollars that they cost. Throw them in the fuck it bucket. And now we have to order all new wedding invitations. And so I'm starting to regret my decision of not hiring a planner because with the mistakes that I'm making of not being a professional at this, it's now costing me more money. So my question to you is, should I just hire a wedding planner? Like, do you think it's worth the money? You had a guest on your show last week who was a wedding planner, and she made the comment that one of her clients hired a planner for $500 a week, and she thought that was really, really cheap and not a wise idea. But in my head, $500 is a lot of money, and so I don't know if it's worth it. I also thought that that would have been enough money to hire one, but now I'm afraid that if I hire someone for that cheap, they're not going to do a good job. So can you answer two questions for me? Number one, do you think I should hire a planner? And number two, if I do, how much should I expect to spend to get a planner that is good at their job? I don't know. That that feels weird to say. But anyways, I just need your help. I need your advice. I have three months until my wedding, and I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) You're the best. Happy days. That was Bride Chiller Sarah, and I think she is, well, firstly, bold, very bold planning a wedding under six months. I deeply respect people that can do this, and I think it's perfectly acceptable and perfectly doable. 
But Sarah makes a good point. It can be quite overwhelming when you have to complete all of these key tasks that a lot of people do, you know, a year in advance and you have to do it in a very short window of time. So I totally want to just send you good vibes. That's fucking useless. Hey, good vibes. It's like thoughts and prayers. Fuck off with your thoughts and prayers. Do something about it. Here's my response. I think it is never too late. I know it is never too late to find extra help. There are a bunch, especially around this time of year, a bunch of very available, very capable coordinators that I truly believe will be able to step in, help you with the general overview, look at the logistics, look at your timeline, and just take over some of those key tasks that are stressing you the fuck out. If you'll note, I didn't say day of coordinator because in the wedding planner and coordinator community, there's been a lot of discussion and I think it's really interesting that people will say, you're just in a day of coordinator, you can hire them the week before, which is bullshit. You know, no one is going to step in unless you're in crisis mode and you found someone amazingly giving and interesting and fabulous that will jump in and help you. But really, a coordinator should be someone that you meet with preferably now, and discuss everything you've booked, connect them with all of the vendors, and really get their professional assistance and feedback on what you need to do to make this wedding happen and just not feel like you are overwhelmed. Budget-wise, it really depends where you're based, and it really depends on how much work you want to take on. I think you need to maybe do some gentle research, but quickly, and be able to find three people. I always say just find three vendors. And this is the same for any vendor search at any time of wedding planning. Don't email 20 people because that just makes you even more stressed. Start with three that have been recommended that might have good Yelp reviews or good Google reviews, or perhaps one of your vendors, this is an even better situation, a photographer or someone that you have already hired that you trust their judgment and guidance. Ask them, have you worked with any great coordinators lately? Can you recommend someone to me? And then send them a brief email saying what you hope to achieve and asking them for a price range. Because really, when you start to gauge the different response rate and you start to discuss the services that you require, you will get some pretty immediate feedback about rates. So I'm always reluctant to give any pricing on this podcast because seriously, hiring a coordinator in Hobart versus Tennessee, I don't know why I picked those two places, really different situation. And also looking at what time of year. Now, I know this voice message is sort of three weeks old. I'm sorry, I'm so behind. But it sounds like you're getting married in the new year, in the winter, wherever you may be. So maybe it's not wedding season, air quotes, and you might find someone that's available and happy to jump in and really go to go to town helping you out. As Kevin Dennis said in episode 399, I very much recommend if you haven't heard that episode to go back and listen. He is an expert in lighting and sound design, but he also talked very generally and very well informatively, not a, probably not a real phrase or word that I've just used then. He was very informative about how you should communicate with vendors, but also thinking about different wedding seasons. He made the very uh, valid comment that, you know, in the States that Arizona, fucking hot in the summer, and a lot of people choose not to get married in the middle of summer in Arizona because they will melt. They will physically melt. So winter in Arizona is wedding season. But of course, in Chicago, it's fucking cold in the middle of winter, 
less weddings in winter, more weddings over the Northern Hemisphere summer. And the same with Australia. We got married in Melbourne in the middle of winter, and Melbourne's quite mild, really, when it comes to the rest of the world. There are lots more winter weddings happening in milder climates. So I think this is just general information for everyone. Think about where you're getting married and don't just assume that, air quote, wedding season is just summer. Sarah, do not feel like you're failing because you're asking for help. I think you are very bold and fabulous for putting on a wedding this quickly, but don't don't not take the help and don't not pay the money because you will regret it. Just go out there, do your due diligence, do your research, get someone on board, give them all the tasks, and then you can enjoy the lead up to your fabulous day. Hi, Alicia. This is Mariah calling from East Bay in California. Um, so we're basically just the San Francisco area's slightly less cool next door neighbor. Um, I had a question because I've recently been looking into the possibility of doing artificial flowers or like silk flowers for our wedding instead of the traditional fresh flowers. We're trying to save a buck um, and also the flowers that we're interested in are possibly not going to be in season and there's the additional factor of the fact that we're getting married in France, which is where my fiance is from. So there's just a lot of things up in the air. Um, we're pretty broke and we really need to keep things as cheap as possible. And I'm thinking that this is a good possibility for us since I love flowers, would love to have as many florals as possible at our wedding. Um, and so I'm wondering if you can recommend any good places to start looking. Um, there's always like eBay and Alibaba Express and things that seem kind of dodgy. And I'm wondering if there's any actual committed wedding florists that do artificial arrangements for a good price. Thanks for taking the time to take my call. Bye. Mariah, this makes me really happy because if you aren't able to supply fresh flowers or if it's not in your budget or if it's not in your ethos environmentally, there are so many options available. And since I mentioned the sustainability episode that was... Uh, it's a weird noise. Episode 397 of the Bride Chiller podcast. I did mention a company called Something Borrowed Blooms. And I have not personally worked with this company, but when I mentioned it, we had quite a few discussions. And if you're in the Bride Chiller community Facebook group, you can go in and, and just search in the search Something Borrowed Blooms. We had some feedback about people that had borrowed, had rented their silk flowers from this company. And it was really positive. So my thoughts are there may very well be a similar company within France, France, Francais, that does the same stuff. I don't know what your French is like. I don't know how many vendors and, and obviously you're hiring vendors within the French area that you're getting married, French area in France. But is it easier to perhaps contact a company like Something Borrowed Blooms knowing you're coming back stateside to then organize the florals that you're after and have them either shipped directly to your venue, like just UPS them, not that much money, or pack them in a suitcase and take them with you, knowing that you can make them, revive them, make them look fabulous, and knowing what you can actually get from a company like this, or trying to find a similar company near your wedding venue that could do that. I think renting these sort of items are really great, and if you have the opportunity to do so, it could be really nice. And blimey, silk flowers, they look real and they don't wilt and they stay alive because they're fake. <laughs> no shit, Sherlock. And you can travel with them. 
Uh-oh, stop, stop, stop. I've just found silkflowersfrance.com. Again, I'm not promoting. I'm not affiliated. I don't know who the fuck these people are, but I've just found the Google webpage. It says stunning bespoke artificial flowers arrangements to hire throughout southwest France. Oh, they look lovely. Look, Google the shit out of it. You'll find some people that will help you out. I think it's very good that you're doing this. And thank you for your call. Hey, Alicia. Hannah Frenning from Australia. I've got a question about avoiding pop-ins while getting ready at mum's house. So me and my five bridesmaids are going to get ready at mum's um, with my own mother and the mother of the groom. There'll be two hairdressers, a makeup artist and photographer there with us, as well as my immediate family. And I just want to avoid really, really painful obligation guests feeling like I can pop in because it's mum's place. Um, I've told mum this more than once, but I don't feel like she's going to enforce it, particularly with the really, really rude obligation guests who lack common sense who'll be staying nearby. Any advice would be very much appreciated. I just want to relax with the girls and I certainly don't, I don't even want these people at my wedding. I certainly don't want them popping in while we're getting ready um, to have a reunion that's been 15 years in the making. Any advice, much appreciated. Thank you. Hannah, I respect you and I respect your not wanting pop-ins. No one fucking wants pop-ins in any stage of life, let alone on your wedding day. Who's doing the pop-in? Who are these people? They're old people. There's my question answered. It's the boomers, and I'm not dissing boomers. I fucking love you boomers sometimes, but you just got to be careful and mindful that this might not be the right time. So first step, mum needs to be aware that you feel this way. And maybe mum's being a bit wishy-washy and going, it's fine, we're going to my friends, I'll pop in. But you need to really state your case, Hannah, and say, this is a time for myself and my bridesies to chill out and I don't feel that them popping in and just fucking hanging around in my personal space at this time is going to work for me. That is not going to work for me, my favorite phrase, as we all know. So I think firstly, talk to mum. Let her know that you are having, you've chosen to get ready and have this moment at her house. Please don't ruin it by inviting your friends that I don't even like there. Say it nicely, but be bold, be firm. Also, could you suggest perhaps a venue for a pre-wedding meetup of these people? So saying, hey, look, I know you wanted to pop in and maybe it's just being, again, bold is my word of the day. What's happening? Bold and just messaging these people and saying, we're going to have a private morning but I found a great bar or a cafe for you to all meet up with. I mean, fucking, they should do this themselves, by the way. You're not an event organizer for their outside of wedding activities, but some people are stupid and some people need the extra assistance. Very angry today. So maybe you could say to your mum, if they want to catch up beforehand, here's some suggestions of places they can go and socialize and I'll see them all, hopefully not at the wedding. I think that's probably what you need to do. Be firm, be bold, and just really get that message across that you don't feel comfortable and you want to enjoy the morning and the idea that someone would just pop in and fucking hang around is rude. Hannah also had a secondary question, which I'll be happy to answer. Just got a question around, it's difficult to even explain, but basically having catch-ups with people who are not invited to the wedding and also maintaining those relationships in the lead-up to the wedding. I'm finding you know, people sort of coming out of the woodwork and then also wanting to spend time with people that I don't spend a lot of time with, but then also being concerned that they will then think that they might be invited to the wedding and just navigating any assumptions and all sorts of uncomfortable interactions with people who are not invited. Any advice would be much appreciated because it just is horribly uncomfortable to navigate. Thank you. Yeah, I absolutely relate to this question, Hannah, and I'm sure people 
at home are thinking the same thing that when you get engaged there is definitely you know 99% there is always someone or a group of people or a couple who assume they're going to be invited and maybe think they're higher up the totem pole in your life than they are no disrespect but circumstantially as well you might have a venue that only seats 20 people and there might be 100 people that are assuming they're going to get invited so my point is I'm sure everyone listening has someone in their life that did probably assume they're going to be invited to the wedding and for whatever reason aren't. How you deal with this is completely up to you. You know, probably having listened to this show, it sounds like you're a familiar listener, that I'm all up for challenging ourselves in being open and sort of saying the truth. But also, I totally realize that's not always possible and it can be very uncomfortable and can also really alter relationships I have been this person before where I assumed, this is years ago, I assumed I was going to a wedding and the guy said to me, I'm sorry, we don't have enough places for you, so you're not on the list. And this was a relative of my ex-fiancé's. Ooh, get your head around that shit. Quite a close relative. And at the time, I was like, Oof, wow, ouch. But then also, I totally understood. We weren't that close. We hung out a bit and they had a small, they had a small wedding. So he wasn't mean but he was quite firm. We got each other and we moved on. People do tend to come out of the woodwork when you announce your engagement and that might be for the reasoning of seeing an announcement on Facebook and wanting to reconnect because they want an invitation or maybe they're just happy for you and they want to you know, say, let's catch up, let's have a drink. That's so common. Let's have a drink, let's celebrate, which is great. But as you said, Hannah, this often leads to them asking questions about the wedding and questions that may lead to them assuming they're going to be invited or getting to that weird point in the road that I've just mentioned where you have to say, actually, you're not coming, or we don't have room for you, or I don't like you that much. <laughs> you don't have to say any of those things. So really, it's about how you want to broach this, which is what you're asking me to answer. And it's a hard one because I don't know the people involved. But I will say, you need to go into it being firm. Don't give them vague answers. If they're definitely not going to be invited, you can still have the drink with them. Don't avoid their company if you enjoy their company. But maybe you could just say, we're having a smaller wedding, but it'd be great to catch up for a celebratory drink with my partner and I. Maybe we could all go out for dinner or something in the lead up or just after the wedding and do that or avoid them. Don't, I mean, don't, don't. I just don't. I'm not a fan of ghosting. I don't mind a mild manipulation of the truth to fob people off, but just don't ghost. Ghosting, I think, in society causes lots of problems and it sucks. Probably for another podcast. Hannah, you're doing great. You're doing great. Thank you for your voice messages. I hope this has helped in some capacity. There will be more of Bride Chiller Q and A after this. Chillers, why don't we change the game this year and instead of getting to January and going, oh, I suppose I should come up with some sort of resolution that, you know, 99% of people don't maintain, let's make an agreement now that we make positive steps in the long term that aren't connected to January and feeling a bit blah. One simple step that you can make right now to better health and improve lifestyle choices is by taking the right vitamins and supplements to help you reach your goals. Our friends at Care Of make this really simple. All you need to do is visit TakeCareOf.com and do their very simple but quite fun quiz that asks you lots of questions about your lifestyle goals, your sleep, your diet choices, whatever you may be putting in your body that may be helping or hindering 
and then Care Of collates your answers and then creates a personalized supplements and vitamins program just for you. And when I say personalized, it means that they package up their recommendations of vitamin and supplements in compostable, cute little personalized packages. So every day you have them right there. You can take them, know you're getting the right stuff and move on with your life. Also, at this time of the year, if you're tired, if you're run down, if you've got a lot of family stuff going on, it's a great time to start this sort of program so you build up your immunity and you can enjoy the winter months if you're in the Northern Hemisphere. For 50% off your very first Care Of order, all you need to do is visit TakeCareOf.com and use the code word BRIDECHILLER50. That's TakeCareOf.com and use the code word BRIDECHILLER50. Chillers, if your groomsmen and bridesmaids are spread out all over the country, it can be really tricky to get them all in one place to try on suits and dresses, which is why I highly recommend that you explore the online opportunities available, particularly generationtux.com, who can help you find the ideal suits for all of your guy gang. I don't know if they want to be called guy gang, but I like it. Generation Tux can help you find the ideal suits for your groomsman, your groom chiller, and perhaps father of the bride, father of the groom, without having to bring them all together in one place. When you hire from Generation Tux, you will get premium suit quality, bang on fitting, using their very clever and very special fitting algorithm. They have thousands of suit colour combinations available and they will deliver each suit to each party member 14 days in advance of the wedding. So if they need changes or updates, that can be done. No dramas. Then after the wedding is done and dusted, all they need to do is pop the suit back in the box. There's a prepaid label attached. Zoom it off and they are done. So why don't you spend some time perusing generationtux.com, that's T-U-X dot com, and be sure to use the promo code BRIDECHILLER for 10% off the entire groom's party hire. That is generationtux.com slash BRIDECHILLER and use the special promo code word BRIDECHILLER for 10% off the entire groom's party. Good morning, Alicia. Uh, my name is Ronnie. I live in New Orleans, Louisiana. Um, me and my fiance got engaged back in April and we are getting married in December. Um, we chose to have a shorter engagement. Well, just kind of because we wanted to, I guess. <laughs> and yeah, so that's why. Uh, my fiance has been married before. He um, got married really early in his 20s and then divorced. Um, which is good because now I get to marry him. <laughs> um, anyways, this is kind of a, a weird question, I guess. Um, and I feel kind of spoiled for asking it, but I don't know if anybody has experienced the same thing or not. Anyways, so I'm guessing and I've got, I've gathered some clues, um, that my fiance didn't get to really plan his first wedding. Um, I'm guessing her family kind of took over everything in a more traditional sense, um, where the bride's family pays for everything. Um, because he has been very helpful through this whole process. Um, and it's really nice. Um, we're paying for the wedding ourselves, so it's nice to have somebody to work with on it, but I kind of feel like in, you know, like it's nice. He's been helping. 
Um, it's been 50-50. If not, he's been like more like 60% of the wedding planning and I've been 40%. Um, we're getting married in Washington state. So we're a bit, a little bit of destination planning. And so, yeah, I just kind of feel, I don't know, like, I guess my traditionalism, which I hate that I have that in me, but it's like overpowering. And I have been manifesting the part of the wedding that I would be planning, you know, majority of it, I've been kind of manifesting the energy into other quote unquote wifely duties. I hate that. I hate that so much that I think that way, but I've been like cooking and cleaning more and worrying about other things around the house. We live in a really small apartment, so it's super clean all the time. Um, anyways, but like, I don't know if anybody has felt like, has felt like this where they're bride bride brideliness is that even a word i don't know but has been manifesting in other things in their life because their partner has been very awesome and planned more than his share of the wedding anyways don't know how anybody else feels about this feel super spoiled for even asking this so if you don't want to air it that's fine but anyways thank you for your input and happy days well, Ronnie, I will be airing it because I think it's a great question. And also, fucking why wouldn't I? Also, bridliness, great. I think it's a real word. Let's say it's a real word. Done. So let me just break this into two parts. I think it's fantastic your partner is stepping up and really wants to be a part of the wedding. Really, previous experience, perhaps, that, as you said, lucky him. He's been married and now he's found you and you found him and you are together. So maybe his previous experience of having a wedding that he wasn't really a part of in the planning process has deeply affected him and he wants to step into the the planning more and participate and be a team player. So I think that's great and good for him for communicating that and wanting to be a part of it. And it sounds like perhaps that your expectations were that he wasn't going to be as hands-on with the planning and that just is going to take a bit of realignment. I personally think with wedding planning, and people may disagree with me, and it probably is the same you read about people getting ready, they're nesting when they're pregnant, women, not people, women are pregnant, and they go into a hormonal change where they start to prepare the house, prepare their lives for this new person. And I do think part of wedding planning for a lot of people is also sort of preparing the nest, preparing the home, feeling that you're closer to your partner, hopefully, because you are going into this process of planning celebration that is a big step in your relationship for a lot of people, hopefully for everyone. And that can translate into lots of different ways. Some people, and I love talking about procrastination, and I love talking about how I my sense of procrastination is very different to my husband Rich's. I clean. That is my thing. If I'm trying to finish writing a fucking book, if I'm recording a podcast that I'm a bit stuck on or whatever, I will clean the house. Rich will watch football, soccer, or will read about cryptocurrency. That's his thing. He will do that. We both have different ways. Now, that doesn't mean we have to get all non-PC and say, Alicia's cleaning because she's a woman. It's just how I fucking deal with shit, you know? It's not about me swallowing up the needs of the patriarchy. Sounded grim. It's just about the activity that I choose to do. I perhaps value, and I think Rich has evolved now a little bit since we've been together, he has admitted, I value a really shiny bathroom. I like to put a podcast on and scrub the shit out of the bath. 
it makes me happy and satisfied. Something in me feels really good with that task being completed, even though I'm oft doing it to avoid another task. Circling back to your question, Ronnie, I promise this had a point that it sounds like you're in a bit of a nesting phase. It sounds like that you thought you had lots of extra tasks to do, but your partner stepped up and you're not feeling potentially as overwhelmed or as busy with the wedding stuff as you potentially had originally planned. And now you're moving into a more homely, lovely environment. I think we just need to stop judging each other for going, if you like to fucking clean and cook, whether you're a boy or a girl, that's great. If that is your thing and your partner does something else in the household, as long as there's a balance and as long as there's teamwork and as long as you're enjoying yourself and you don't feel obligated to do it, great. It doesn't make you any less of a feminist or any less in support of equality if you like to clean a bathroom or put love into cooking a meal and feeling great about cooking that meal and serving it to your partner and eating together and enjoying it. I think it's actually really great. So that's my advice to you, Ronnie. It's not a silly question. I think you're doing great. I'm really stoked that you found each other and you are both putting a team effort into your wedding planning. I'm sure a lot of people are listening going, oh, fuck, wish my partner was as into the wedding planning as your partner sounds like it. But you know, We've all got different ways of dealing with things and we've all got different processes. And when it comes to the household shit, Rich and I have been together this year for 10 years, not married that long, but we've been living together. And it's a constant evolution. It's an evolution in our household. And depending where we're living, as I've said, we're probably, we don't have a house at the moment. We're just moving from place to place like, like nomads. But finding balance and being able to separate tasks and work as a team can be really difficult and it can also be ever-evolving. It can change depending on what life stage you're at and how much work you've got. Thanks, Ronnie. Hi, my name is Leah out of Phoenix, Arizona. I have a question about a big venue change that me and my fiancé decided to do. Uh, originally, we were going to have our wedding here in Phoenix in October 2020, um, but after looking at uh, what we were already going to be paying and what we really, really wanted to do, uh, we decided to change it to Bali for October 2020. Um, my question is, we already asked, the. there's 140 originally for the Arizona venue that we were going to invite. We asked those people for their addresses to be able to send them the save the dates and the wedding invitations and everything. Um, but now our venue in Bali can only hold 50. And I know obviously not all 140 people would come to Bali, but now our venue can only hold 50. And I'm trying to figure out how to either let people know that we had to cut the guest list down to 50 or what to do. Um, the venue or the, invitations or save the dates did not get sent out to 140 people so we weren't that far along but it's now just deciding on how to address the people that I had to basically uninvite due to the change anything would help uh, please let me know what you would do in this situation thank you Leah, that's an amazing change. How exciting for you. Bali is gorgeous. It's a really far away place, which is also exciting to just go and experience a completely different culture, great weather, and honestly, some of the most lovely people you've ever met. We've traveled in Bali and just go, gosh, could people get any nicer? Nuh-uh, probably not. They're amazing. Okay, so the question, well, the question doesn't seem as dire as when I first listened, I was like, oh my God, she's invited all these people and now she's uninviting. That's not the case at all. I've re-listened to the voice message and you're very clear. You basically put out a preliminary, hey, can I have your 
address so we can send you an invitation when you were getting married in Arizona. And now you're changing locations to Bali. Obviously, a lot less people can fit in your current new venue. But also, as I said, Bali is a fucking a long, long trip. And what is it? Hang on. Let me just Google. Hang on. Okay, I'm back. I've Googled. See, no time in your time, but it was time in my time. I just found a really good website actually called travelmath.com. Travelmath.com. Not the sponsor today. And quite a clever website. Arizona to Bali is approximately 18 hours flights and you're going to have to change. 18 hours and 27 minutes. This assumes on average flights be blah, 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 blah. Oh, what a clever website. So considering it's quite the journey, but I'm going to assume, even if you invited, I'm not suggesting you do this, but even if you invited all 140 people, I would say quite comfortably, depending on their financial situation, vacay time, holiday leave, and also being able to lock in that commitment ahead of time. I don't know how far in advance you're planning the wedding, but I really doubt that 140 people RSVP yes. I would say you probably easily lose 50% when you're asking them to make that commitment. First step I would suggest is to create a list of the must-haves. Go back to the bride chiller guest list sort of ethos of saying, okay, here are our 50 places at the wedding. Who are the people on this list? I would be absolutely devastated if we didn't invite. Now, we can't expect everyone to make that trek because life happens as well. People get pregnant. People don't want to invest that sort of money or can't physically invest the money. We can't judge them if they can't make that trek. You know that. You seem very sensible and lovely, Leah. But you just always need to remember, this is not a personal gripe. This is not a a diss on our relationship if we're not going to make that trip to Bali. A lot of people will be like, Bali, yes, we're going to get a pool and a villa and we're going to have some beautiful food. Oh, it's going to be lovely. But some people will say, sorry, can't do it. So you make that preliminary list. And this is all about timing. I would then say, write a discreet paperless post, something simple. You can do all the formal invitations later just asking if they would be keen or they would consider coming along to your wedding. Pretty quickly, you will get some answers back and maybe give them a date and say, we will be sending out further invitations at this stage, but we're just hoping to get your feedback on whether you would be available slash interested to come along. Then you might get 30 people back that are definite yeses, that are like, we're booking our ticket, we're ready to roll, and you know you've got 20 places left. Then I would go through the B list of the extra people on that 150 list and then be able to reach out, you know, just sort of start honing in. Homing? Honing. Both are correct, apparently. In on who you want to be there and then filling those spots. I think really people are understanding a lot of people will probably decline to come because they don't want to make that trip and that's totally cool. It's better for you in a way. And be honest, maybe with the remaining people, you can send a lovely card or again, a paperless post that's pretty and say, really sorry, we've had a change of plans. We're going for a destination wedding and unfortunately, there is a limited capacity at the venue. One thing you could do, and I don't know if this is in your budget or in your timeline, is then invite the Arizona crew to celebrate with you at a local bar or a hotel Put a night on. It doesn't have to be big. It could be a cash bar for all you care. And just ask them to come and celebrate after the wedding. And you could put some photos up of the wedding or you could maybe make it a Balinese-themed night. Maybe there's a local Balinese restaurant in Arizona. I don't know. But there are plenty of ways that you can still have a celebration with that 
crew of people you thought would originally be coming along to your wedding in your hometown and still make them feel that they're important and relevant in your lives but aren't asking them to make that trek to Bali. That's my solution to you, Leah. What a great celebration. Enjoy yourself. Gosh, we had a good time in Bali. We went on a honeymoon and we got some cracking deals. Like it was crazy through a website called Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Always fun to poke around on. Lots of boutique, gorgeous accommodations that aren't always super affordable, but they do have sales and they do have some independent accommodations that are pretty special. And Rich and I managed to score a pretty good deal on a villa in Bali for part of our honeymoon that just happened to come with a butler. And we were like, what the fuck do we do with the butler? And this lovely guy, we would just have chats with him and then say, can you go home? We don't have anything for you to do because he literally was like, shall I unpack your bags? And I was like, no, you don't want to see my Kmart underwear. No one needs to see that. No one needs to do that. I don't know if I'll ever be of the level of money and comfort that I could ask someone to unpack my underwear. And don't get me wrong, I'm not ashamed of my Kmart undies, but I just don't know if I need someone else to do that for me. However, the private villa that we had had its own pool. We were given lots of snacks and gorgeous things and cocktail hour every day. It was such a treat and really compared to bloody Maldives or anywhere else like that, it was a really great price and we had a great time. Speaking of honeymoons, we have a fantastic episode coming up, episode 403. It's in two weeks' time, if you are listening in the present day, uh, with my lovely friend Irina, who runs Ali Travel, and she is answering your honeymoon questions. And we did a call out in the Bride Chiller community recently asking for people's honeymoon-related questions. Gee, we got so many. We're going to have to do another episode because we could not get through them all. Really good questions, lots about insurance, about about thinking, sort of very relevant to Leah, thinking about the time it takes to get somewhere, especially if you are on a limited vacation schedule, where it sounds really glamorous to go halfway across the world. But when you look at time changes, you look at jet lag, it can actually be less fun than you imagine it to be. Really excited to bring you that episode. I also recorded a full episode with Irina talking about her best honeymoon tips. That's coming up uh, early next year as well. So we will be talking lots more about travel on the Bride Chiller podcast. If you have a question that you would like included in an upcoming episode, then do please get in touch. All you need to do is visit the Bride Chiller headquarters, thebridechiller.com. You can follow the menu prompts at the top. You're a sensible person. You can find out where to do it to leave me a voice message or just simply record it on your phone, follow the email prompts and then email me the file, whichever works. I'm not fussy. I just want to hear your voice. Say where you're from. Say where you heard the podcast. That makes me very happy. Until next week's episode of the show, I have the amazing Renee Dallow, my friend who is the host of Rock Your Wedding Biz podcast and also the founder and chief head planner lady, not her real title, but we'll go with it, from Moxie Bride Events. She's sharing about all of the last minute things that we may stress about, solutions when it comes to the lead up to your wedding and things to not overlook, especially when it comes to the last couple of days before you get hitched. It's really helpful. So that is episode 303 that's coming at you, to you, with you next week on Monday. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for your support. I hope wherever you are, you're enjoying your wedding planning. If you aren't, 
write to me, tell me about it. And until next week's episode, I bid you all happy days. The Bride Chiller Podcast. The only place the cookie cutter should be used is in the kitchen. Am I right? <laughs>